Alright, we are back on The Scumbag for episode 3. I'm Ed Zitron. I'm Felix Peterman. And we are here to discuss, and this is the only Volcel podcast out there. And that's, that's, it's beautiful. I'm actually so proud that two Volcel guys are able to get together and have such a great audience. Yeah, just a, a couple of guys who don't fuck, who are proud of that fact, and uh, just hoping that we can, you know what, we're not telling you what to do, but hopefully you can pick up the not fucking lifestyle. Yeah, I, it's really easy. I learned from my guru, Benedict Evans, a long time ago. He, he took me to the mountains and just yelled, never have sex at me for 15 hours straight. And now I get it. It was beautiful. I was not so fortunate as to have Benedict Evans, but my mentor was the baseball crank. <laughs> the baseball crank? That really? Uh, how, how did he teach you? He said, uh, sex is a lot like baseball. You have to wait till the ninth inning. <laughs> I that's that's I I might cry. I don't know why I might cry, but I might. I'm always crying. <laughs> I'm a cry person. That's me. <laughs> but we really should we really should not laugh, but we're definitely going to because this this week we were originally going to do a different subject, but this one's about celebrity deaths in public mourning. And it's we must preface this though we really don't actually care that much about offending people we do sometimes have souls and one thing is it's not about so much what happened when say Muhammad Ali David Bowie Robin Williams when they died it's about how people reacted to it everyone is they're allowed to mourn how they want to mourn and that's fine god bless you but there are some people who I didn't think it was possible to be bad at mourning but it actually is yeah um look I I I can't tell anyone how to feel sad, but there is one way to do things where you don't make it really about you when it's not about you. And there are many people who did this. And there, for example, and the great place to start with is Robin Williams, because I I am guilty of, I'm the hypocrite as ever, of I did share my depression and my anxiety and I think we've talked about this before where I, I opened my heart a bit and there were some people who actually thanked me and I truly did it because it was kind of cathartic to talk about it fine but there were some people who legitimately made up having depression there were people who were like I'm depressed I mean I've had similar thoughts to the WebMD definition and today is the day that I reveal that and I will pull it back tomorrow oh yeah no I mean there's a di- we talked about this last episode but there's a difference between going, hey, here's my experience, and uh, going, well, I figured out how to live with depression. First of all, no, you, even if you're not lying about the type of depression that you have, because that's that shit's not unheard of for the craven type of people online, uh, you didn't figure it out. No one figures it out. You, are, you did not go to med school. You are not a licensed psychiatrist. And even... If you were, you wouldn't be claiming that you, you you figured out how to overcome this. But because people are so, so venal and obsessed with collecting praise and being respected for once in their lives, uh, this is one way to do it. To tell people that, that they have a comprehensive system for dealing with mental illness, even when you have seen this person engage in the most 
mind-numbing fucking interpersonal dramas over just a week since they wrote whatever they wrote. And I think that with Robin Williams specifically, when it came out, he died. There was there was it was actually something more horrible than than to me than the depression side, and that was just people's general reactions to like genie, you're free, and all that shit. And this plays into every single celebrity death. When was the last time you actually fucking thought of this person? I mean, when was the last time you were like, you know what? I love Hook. Ah, oh, shit. You know what? I think of Mork and Mindy every day during my my mutual jack-off, not homosexual thing I do in the back alleys of multiple bars. I think of the movie Hook. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing how much people discovered how much a recently deceased person affected their lives the moment that they die. Like, uh, you know, surely they're not trying to just cram something in to be part of a larger moment because they're like salmon, seeing other <laughs> salmon swim upstream. And at the end of that stream is, I don't know, a fucking girl finding that, g- giving them pictures of their feet because they, they bared their soul online. That's where it always ends for me. That's what the goal of my life is. As many feet pics as possible. And actually, just as an aside, I, anyone can be attracted to anything fine. I actually find feet kind of gross. I don't know what it is with like so many guys being horny for feet. I look at it. I'm, I look at my feet, girls' feet. I'm like, ah, that, it's a foot. Well, I have, I have disgusting, I have disgusting hobbit feet, but I like... Okay, I make I make a big joke about the feed thing, but I I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit. I don't have a foot fetish, but like you know, one of my first sexual experiences uh, was a girl like rubbing her feet on my dick when I was in high school. <laughs> it's sort of like a stupid like that's what foreplay is when you're <laughs> you're like 15 or 16 and fucking stupid. You're just an a, a hairless ape, so. You know, I uh, I, I always I always like that, but but that's not because it's a memory. Like being, it's an important memory to me. It's it, it's the it's it's why sh- Sweetie Show Feet has such dramatic weight to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a sense, I guess I'm making fun of myself a little bit. I'm not a foot fetishist, but it has. I have a Proustian recall with uh <laughs> with with the foot experience, so. Well, I didn't have sex until my second year of college, so I mean, and that, and I was literally having sex in a room with my my girlfriend. I I was not doing well. I did not finish. I and her mother was literally asleep in the corner. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. She she was like, "I will not let you two sleep together unless I am sleeping in the same room." But she had a very sad woman. Actually, she she was quite racist very nice to me but if you're black nope she used to scream the n-word at the tv during the news just like a random black dude what like like tom brokaw no i mean like a normal dude would be like being interviewed on the street like hey what do you think of of bags or like what do you think of this and she'd scream it i mean i'd be like shit i'd be like like watching my fantasy sports crap and then just hear this vulgar word i'd be like what the I mean, it's, <laughs> Holy fuck. But, but anyway, but let's get back to this comatose woman asleep on the floor, who's the mother of the person I had sex with for the first time. So she, after multiple keystones, I mean, we're talking, I think a whole 12, 
was how many I counted on like one a day. Classy lady. She was great, but she she also took half a bottle of Nyquil. I saw her down it, and I was and I I she was coming to, and this is why my brother calls me same room as the motherfucker sometimes. <laughs> so wait, but we got horribly <laughs> off topic. But because we were talking about the real serious issues, such as people being sad to show feet. But we'll oscillate between these. I feel like these three are really good. It's Muhammad Ali, David Bowie, Robin Williams. But Muhammad Ali was the one that really got me. Because there were a lot of racist friends. And by friends, I mean people I've seen on Twitter tweet slightly racist things. But they clearly don't want to admit that just black people in general scare them. Just, just they might steal something through some sort of force. I love the, I, I love those type of racist people that really try to carefully mitigate their racism, but they're too stupid to do it. So they're like, oh, you know, rapper types. <laughs> it's like, holy shit! Wow. That I think is... I saw my favorite okay. comment on Muhammad Ali, and it was he wasn't like one of those thug types. Oh my god. This is, the Muhammad Ali thing was really interesting to me because, you know, as you know, per my occupation, I have to follow a lot of pundits. I have to, you know, the group of people that are paid $350,000 a year to get trapped in elevators and have bad <laughs> opinions. Uh, these people love the discourse. The discourse. They love uh, polite disagreement. And at the same time, they claim that Muhammad Ali in part made them who they are today. Which I love. I love it when any just fucking purely mediocre person tells you that a exceptionally great one in a billion, one once in a generation performer or athlete made them who they are. It reminded me of all the fucking CPAs who said that David Bowie told him it was okay to be weird. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. But anyway, Muhammad Ali was – his opponents thought he was a dick. The US government thought he was a dick because – he didn't give a fuck if he hurt people's feelings or not. He said fucking awful things to George Foreman, to Sonny Liston. He he refused to serve in the Vietnam War, which these same mediocre people would have cheered for if they were alive or pundits at the time. But because he was this cultural figure that was larger than than them, they're like, oh, you, no, he was great. He, he was really great because – They've they've internalized this appearance of trying to look racially sensitive or woke, I would say, even when they just this guy stood for every fucking thing that they hated in a person. And with Muhammad Ali in particular, there was something that my favorite was the amount of people who I saw post the life picture of Muhammad Ali training underwater. And I respect our historical trolls. Like most people are like respect our troops. I'm like, respect our trolls. Muhammad Ali got this, wanted to be in life magazine. He just went, I'm going to make up that I punch underwater to work out. And it's so funny because I saw, I posted like, this was a troll everyone. And I saw so many people I followed post it and being like, respect the legend it's like what are you respecting there the fact that he just dicked over a reporter basically probably didn't he definitely didn't humiliate the reporter because the reporter now has what some of the most iconic photographs of a sportsman ever but still on some level what are you celebrating here that muhammad ali was pretty pretty funny because that's what i celebrated there he was hilarious muhammad ali was really fucking funny and he was rude and I think the big thing about Muhammad Ali is that he was exceptional. I mean, his nickname was the greatest. 
I don't think he was the greatest boxer of all time. I think that's Sugar Ray Robinson, but that's another it's another uh, discussion. He's absolutely the greatest heavyweight of all time. But his very being was that he was exceptional. He was a better shit talker. He was a better fighter. He moved better. He, he lost two years of his athletic prime and came back and became a champion again. He, you know, his... Before he went away, he was this fucking amazing evasive boxer that reinvented how people slipped punches and parried and all this. But when he came back, he lost all that explosive athletic first step. And he became this tough motherfucker that would just absorb all your punishment and come back and beat the shit out of you, which is unheard of. That has never happened. No one will ever do that again. But these people who are expressly mediocre average and their entire sensibility is so as to cause the least reaction possible so they can get in the slipstream of whatever publication they're in and squeeze as much money as possible just to be cynical functionaries, praise them as if they are they exist in the same universe. No, there could not be a person fucking different than Muhammad Ali. And I think something that really is is it's in line with our podcast is the people who posted the that fucking gif of like Muhammad Ali dodges 21 punches in sorry 21 punches in how many seconds and the reason that infuriated me wasn't so much the image which was super cool it's a cool thing except i saw that one nbc photographer that all the dudes follow because she's a girl who posts pictures of herself not because she's actually a very 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 good photographer like a really stunningly good photographer who i believe has gone into war zones and horrible dangerous places to take great photos. No, it's because she is a pretty lady. But the, she posted it, got 9,000 retweets, and that all these people, everyone posting that, was posting it simply to get retweets. And that that fills me full of rage, because you know what? By all means, mourn how you need to mourn. By all means, say Muhammad Ali was awesome. The I, I actually find it kind of weird seeing certain people call him the greatest, because I'm like... Dude, did you just... Let me guess, you just went, Google, Muhammad Ali. Oh, great, Wikipedia. I'll skim read this shit. Brilliant, I now know everything. Great, time to make a vapid statement. It's like, no, none of you... And and it comes back to the thing of, you didn't think of Muhammad Ali in years. A guarantee. You did not even give him one... You might have given him a passing thought in 2015 where you were like, yeah, he's a boxer. Yeah, I mean, um... You saw that when people said he transcended race. No, he didn't. No. He was unapologetically black in a fucking time when that was very courageous for an extremely famous person to do or anyone to do. That is That shows that you fucking know nothing about him. You know what? We crack on the baseball crank a lot, and I really cracked on what the baseball crank said after Muhammad Ali died where he went, I respect Muhammad Ali. But I think he was a great boxer, but I don't like how he he uh he didn't he didn't heed his country's call to fight in Vietnam. And like, yeah, that makes him a fucking weird dick that he said that. But holy shit, at least he's honest. That's what he really thinks about him, and that's what he would have thought at the same at the if he was the baseball crank at that time. It's way more honest than the people who have the exact same beliefs and are like, Thank you, Muhammad Ali, for speaking your mind. You know, none of these people want anyone to speak their mind. At least Baseball Crank was fucking out in the open about what an authoritarian freak he is. And Benedict Evans, right on time, everyone. This day in history, June 3rd, 
Muhammad Ali saves a suicidal man. Nailed it, Benny. You did it. Today's <laughs> today's news. Many weeks like it's like thank God for Benedict Evans, but always Muhammad on Ali the ball. Well. Oh yeah, it's and and the Muslim thing. No one really wanted to talk about that. Like they wanted to like dance around it because they still there are there are definitely people I know and they'd never admit it who just equate Muslim with like terror. And it's just as being from London, where like Indian people, Pakistani people, very you can tell them apart because they are completely different. Like, and the, like there are people from Saudi Arabia, also very different from India, different country, landmass, and ta- like like they're they're very different over here. It's like, oh, so he's a different kind of brown person. All right, what kind? Muslim? Oh dear, wait, it's Muhammad Ali. I need to like him now because he's dead. Yeah, I mean, and Muhammad Ali had a really. I mean, every part of his life was kind of amazing and dramatic and his spiritual life was no different. He started out a nation of Islam, which is a very weird religious group. It's actually the leader of nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan. I grew up seven blocks away from where he lived and I grew up in Chicago. Uh, just like a really weird conspiratorial group. Uh, then he became a Sunni. Uh, then he became a Sufi in the last few years of his life. Just, you know, another amazing, strange, multifaceted part of this guy's life. But you wouldn't know it by the people mourning, you know, pretending to mourn him. And my favorite thing by far was when I guarantee so many people were like, oh, thank God, I can finally get myself involved in this and get attention. When Donald Trump said, I'm sorry, Muhammad Ali's dead, and then everyone was like, let's post the thing where Muhammad Ali denounced the thing about the Muslim. It was like, you know what? You know what? Actually, not a Trump supporter. The guy probably didn't even make the tweet, and if he did, he's probably like, he's dead. Like, like he's dead, and it's bad, he's dead. And yeah, it's hypocritical, but oh my God, that's your, that's the hill you're going to die on today. Well, I think that, um, I don't know why this is such a thing. I think I blame the West Wing. Why I think liberals are, they think catching somebody in hypocrisy is like just, that's checkmate in any argument because of every scene in the West Wing where, I swear there are like six scenes in the West Wing where the president is, goes, uh, all right, get all the Christians in one room. And he just he go he brings up the Bible and he's like, Oh, you feckless bastard, do you agree with this too? Well, by your logic in your book, you should be put to death. And liberals saw this when they were coming of age, they touched a tit for the first time, and they go, Yes, this is how to argue. Well, there was the very famous I don't remember who yelled it and I don't remember why, which is why I don't write about politics, the whole you lie moment. Yeah, Joe the- Wilson. And that was a Republican? Yeah, Joe Wilson from South Carolina, I believe. They must have, that must have been like the biggest liberal erection. I, I'm a moderate. I, I can't even vote, so I don't even know where I fucking stand on half the shit I talk about, which is good for PR. It's like most PR people. But I remember when that happened, and I don't remember the Twitter reaction, but a few friends of mine who are diehard liberals were like, yes, ha ah, I caught you. Ah, I caught you in a moment of crazy. Because that whole, by your logic, you have proven my point thing, there, that was their moment to go, aha, you have proven you are crazy people, and you have proven that every Republican, due to the actions of one, is a crazy bastard. QED, RFID, 
PCMCIA card. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, this is the, like, strategy of a lot of liberals, and you saw it replicated uh, with monstrous success by one Jeb Bush when he was competing against Donald Trump. The strategy is just cross your arms and go, well, you don't know how bad you look, mister. Not allowing that there are millions of people who are go like, no, fuck you. I don't care about your verbal rules. Go fuck yourself. And it's great as well because it goes back to, and this is both sides. This is a bipartisan fuck up where it's, where it's that they truly believe that they are so important that Donald Trump's reading it is like, oh no, I was caught in hypocrisy. Oh, time to turn in, time to turn in the herpes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like, no one, none of these people give a shit if you catch them in hypocrisy. Like, these people, Donald Trump just, like, goes on TV and is like, the Mexicans are rapists. <laughs> like, do you, think, do you think he can be shamed with hypocrisy? It's the same thing with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is a fucking ghoul. He's the Senate Majority Leader, and he's just, he has, he's personally embroiled in all these weird scandals in Kazakhstan where he's, personally taking money from oil fields affiliated with a horrible dictatorial regime and raps of other shit and just endless evil and these liberal like if you have a liberal meme page you're like ah, i got mitch mcconnell and he went back on his word it's like no that guy doesn't give a shit he's evil (laughs) you can't shame these people if Trump has proven anything, it's that discussion on Twitter has basically no effect on actual politics because that guy who, that guy could go on TV and said, I had sex with Hillary and it was bad. I had sex with her mother. I had sex with Barbara Bush. I had sex with Kendra. I had sex with this door handle. I had sex with everything in this room. Everyone I have fucked and nothing would happen. No, absolutely nothing. Like, no, like... People, there is no meaning to what happens on Twitter. Uh, one of my the things that I do is me and Virgil Texas, we do annotations for News Genius. Uh, and the bulk of the articles that we make fun of are any articles or report on what happens on Twitter. Because you know what? It doesn't fucking matter at fucking all. Nothing on Twitter means shit. It's meaningless. Not even that many people use Twitter. There are a lot of people signed up. Not that many of them use it. Most of the people that use it, the most influential group of people that actually use it are in the media. So they ascribe a special level of meaning to it. And so they're, oh, I have to report on what happened on my virtual office on Twitter. Guess what? It doesn't fucking matter. Go to any place in the rest of America. Go to fucking Peoria, Illinois and ask people what they think about the Bernie bros in your mentions. They're going to look at you like the freak that you actually are. And the amazing thing is, we've actually touched on something that I've been thinking about for a while, which is Twitter has, and I've been trying to get verified for a while because there are people who occasionally pretend to be me. I had literally a Dilbert fanboy account that used to steal my tweets and point them at people that only stopped when I found out who he was. And I actually went to his real account. I went, hey, dude, I'm not going to like sue you or anything. Can you just fucking stop? But anyway, I wanted to get verified and I can't. Long story short, but Twitter has a real history of verifying the media. And I think it's all, and this is my tinfoil hat conspiracy here, and any smart person knows tinfoils would not stop the government. But anyway, they they have verified most of the media. They will blanket verify anyone at Gawker, BuzzFeed, Business Insider, wherever. 
And they very much do so with, I think, with this intent of prescribing them this fake level of importance so that they will talk about Twitter with a vague level of importance, thus keeping Twitter looking important regardless of any actual importance it holds. I think that's probably true, and I think a lot of times it's also that the whoever's outlet spends X amount of dollars advertising on Twitter, which, by the way, really dumb move because no one clicks on anything on Twitter. Uh, just w one of those things, the click-through rate is not good. I hate that I know these things now, but I do. But, uh, no, I think that is also it. Like, I always, I like it when I, you, I get notifications when verified people I don't follow fave, man. I, like, look at it, and it's like, oh, Curtis Fuck favorited your tweet. And I go, who's Curtis Fuck? And I look at their page, and I have, like, 20 times as many followers as they are, but they have a little thing, like, uh, yeah, a reporter for the San Diego Gazette. <laughs> I'm like, why are you verified? Way more people know who I am than who you are, and I'm not even not even that many people know who I am. And Flunk Gugget from like the the Bay Area Star, which is a zine that can only be found in Zocalo's coffee shop in San Leandro. Like they're they're stringer to watch from the from the outside of Levi Stadium is verified and has yeah, I, 18 followers. I don't, yeah, no, there's like no reason to do it, but like to, it's something that you get for ad dollars and it's a way to make media feel important. I'm going to be honest. I genuinely investigated the verifying through ad dollars rate to see what I could do. No one would respond to me. It's as if they knew, they knew what I was going for. But the funny thing is, and I'm serious, I am completely unreasonably interested in being verified. I think it's because people I don't like are, so that's why I want it. Like, if they weren't verified, I wouldn't care. But it's probably also some horrible self-loathing thing, but still. Anyway, I mean, no, I, really I mean, look, the only reason that I like to get in certain publications is because I know that it annoys people that hate me. Like, I'm a fucking enormously petty person myself. Oh, me too. How much would you pay to be verified? Three grand? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I if I scale it to my income, I guess that means I would pay, what, like, fucking $300? Is it worth the mental anguish of the people that hate me to do it? Probably. Yeah. I've spent, I'm, dude, I've spent $300 on shit that I, I is less valuable to me than other people's anguish. Just to upset PR people, I would genuinely spend that money. If I found, even if it wasn't verification, a way for three grand without hurting anyone except their feelings, a way to upset, like, 90% of PR people, I'd probably do it, you know? I don't want to, like, kill anyone or phys physically hurt them. I just genuinely would spend that money. There's something about, there's a darkness to me. It's a darkness. I think it's funny when you make really fussy people mad. Like, that's the premise of every, like, sort of wacky children's comedy is that, like, a, a stodgy camp director, like, gets, he gets red in the face and, like, blows air out of his mouth and he's like, oh, and we want to recreate that in our, adult, in our adult lives. And, yes, you and I are, like, exceptionally immature people. But I think everyone wants that. Everyone wants to, like, make everyone really mad. They want everyone to t take off their shirt in front of their computer. It's really the goal at the end of the day. My goal is not money or respect or to do things that I love. It's really just to, like, get, make a bunch of guys get naked at their computers because they're mad at me. And talking of people who got mad and kind of flustered over something... 
Prince. It's time to talk about Prince, and I'm and I'm guilty saying this because I actually like the guy. Anil Dash, when it came to Prince's death, was actually one of the weirdest social media moments I have ever had. Because it was someone I otherwise respect and like, who has had two or three moments recently where I've been like, oh, mate, stop. I don't want to say anything to him because I don't want to upset him. But, like, when he went on his Prince rants at first, oh. I was like, oh. But at first it was like, okay, I'm going to share some cool Prince stories I have. And I was like, all right, I can get behind that. I'd do the same thing. If Josh Homme from Queens of Stone Age died... I would probably do the same. It was, he went through some stories, and we were on, like, tweet 8, and I was like, okay, perhaps that's, a oh, nope, that's tweet 15, no, that's 20, oh, he DM'd you. Oh, God, you're going to repeatedly talk about Prince DMing you. Oh, Jesus Christ. And, I, you know what? I actually think he had, I know that you're going to definitely say the opposite, which is fine, and I can't wait, but, seriously, can't wait. But he went on this thing, which would have been actually quite a like a sweet blog to read. I would have really like enjoyed it. It would have been quite tear jerky, I'm sure, if put in a narrative tone. But through this giant tweet storm that went over, and when it went over multiple days, my brain started hurting. But then it just became this thing where it was, it was he he talked about the magic of Prince, and which I I know too. We'll get to the whole Prince thing in a second because that really that one really got me angry. That is. But Anil, someone I, I do like the guy, and then he just, it's like Prince, Prince, Prince for four or five days. I'm, I wanted to be like, mate, we get it. We really do. You collect all your Prince stories, put, publish them somewhere else. And I hate saying that to someone I like. Now, you can now go batshit, because I know that you were, you were not a fan. Um. Okay, my uh, only previous encounter with Anil Dash previously is... When he said that uh, a significant portion of Bernie Sanders supporters were uh, neo-reactionaries, meaning alt-right Nazis, which is, you know, a pretty interesting accusation to level about the supporters of a Jewish candidate. But wait, hey, wait, wait, wait. What was that? <laughs> Tell this story for our listeners. Anil Dash said that a significant amount of Bernie Sanders supporters were members of the neo-reactionary community, which is a far-right racist political affiliation. What? Explicitly anti-Semitic, so, you know, just natural supporters of a Jewish candidate. You know, just, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Jeez. And then when people ask him about it, he goes, oh, really? You're going to make me explain it, which will ping my harassers back to me? All right. What, <laughs> what the... F you know what, Anil, if you somehow hear about this... I want a fucking explanation about that one because that is detestable on a level that I cannot even start approaching. That is the kind of put everyone in a bucket shit that happens to entire races. And I really hope that this is a vast misunderstanding, but it fucking doesn't sound like it. I'm actually mad and I'm online right now. Are you taking out your shirt? Uh, naked. I was, I, I, I start this podcast mad and red and I'm definitely nude. Well, I started with, uh, I started naked uh, and then I like slowly put clothes on as I begin to understand more things. But anyway, so uh, Neil Dash, my second encounter with Neil Dash is him talking about uh, Prince DMing him. I am not a Prince expert, uh, but you know what? I did live in Minnesota for a few years. I saw him live. I know a bit about him. One thing about Prince, uh, not big on contact with the outside world, refused to speak with the head of his own label, refused to speak to Clint Eastwood when he requested to talk to him about 
some type of opportunity, refused to talk to Fred Armisen, who did a famous impression of Prince, uh, did not really use a cell phone, much less the internet, to contact people, did not really contact people directly at all, somehow reached out to Anil Dash to collaborate on something. Fucking God yeah. knows what. Uh, <laughs> his, his super fans, and it looked like it happened, and, and I will defend the guy here, even though I'm mad, in saying that he doesn't seem the type to make shit up. Like, he wouldn't, like, make shit up. It's ever so... It's ever so likely that Prince truly did send him one DM. And there was some sort of relationship there in the sense that he was part of an innate... Innate? In some sort of integral Prince fan club thing. Which is true. Metallica did the same thing. Metallica had their crazy Metallica fan club in the mid-2000s. But they weren't... Metallica isn't... They're dicks with a lot of stuff, but they're not weird recluses in the sense that Prince was. But Prince was also on New Girl, so we can't exactly say he was a complete recluse. That's true. But nevertheless... If New Girl is continue- a cultural touchstone, though. Zoe Deschanel, is, Zoe Deschanel is single now. Zoe, I host two podcasts, about to be three. I have been in Daily Beast, Deadspin, uh, New York Magazine, and among others. I've been on the podcast Reply All. I am about to buy a bed frame, just in case you're listening. And this is actually a really good point to discuss, and I'm so sorry to hear about you and Elizabeth, by the way. Um, look, all open marriages have their beginning and endings. Yeah. I mean, that's Elizabeth Holmes, of course, um, CEO of Theranos, our sponsor. Still haven't got that check, by the way. I mean, we I mean, we are going into divorce arbitrations. I will ask her about that. I am representing myself in court. Oh, good. Uh, well, this is, this is, we, we do have bills to pay, so if you could ask her. I can do it. I can. Don't worry. You, I'm, you're in good hands. We are in good hands. Uh, not spending money on a big, big, fancy city lawyer. But you know what? I uh, I have been on multiple off-topic uh, forum, uh, gaming forums where I've talked about politics and won 70% of the arguments. That is actually a great ratio. I, I am still batting a very bad average when it comes to the arguments in r slash trains about the superiority of british uh, freight hauling trains over american freight hauling trains it turns out that i'm vastly outgunned there when it comes to my knowledge uh have you tried like quoting a person's entire post and then refuting them point by point in an even longer post <sighs> that is such a good idea thank you i, I will get right why on, I'm on my, my current streak it's it's how the real MVP works. But off the subject of Anil Dash for a second, and back to Prince, though, I have listened to, I think, two... I can name two Prince songs, Purple Rain and When Doves Cry, and that's it. I don't know what Purple Rain sounds like, and I know multiple people who I definitely have, because, like, a month and a half ago, with absolutely no reason we were just discussing music, a group of friends and and I were discussing random bands that people claim they know but don't really know. Rolling Stones, great example. Beatles, another one. They know like four songs, they don't really know them. And I brought up Prince, and I said, everyone loves Prince, but I don't know anyone who knows more than like three songs. And genuinely, everyone sat there quietly and went, yeah, you're right. Like, I know like Purple Rain, When Doves Cry, and some other one. And it was, I saw every single one of them tweet. I saw them, I saw them all. 
I saw them all go like, God, Prince, you know, just musician, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, um, I think, like, a, a lot of people wrote, like, really heartfelt things because, like, Prince actually listening to him was a really big part of them coming of age. He was a big, for a big part of, like, Gen X people, that was a big, he occupied a big cultural moment for them. For other people, it was like, oh, holy shit, you're doing what a sociopath does, where you are artificially connecting yourself with this person to get love through pity, which is the only way that you know how to experience love because you're fucking insane. And that's and that's the thing. It's I don't even know how to look at that. And when it comes, this actually bridges very well into David Bowie. And with David Bowie, I will fully admit, I listened to zero David Bowie before the age of like 19. And really? I Yeah, really. Genuinely. I was, I'm British and all, but I'll admit That's, that. that. That is more fucked up than the fucking the girl with the mom in the room story. Well, I apologize, but I make up for it with an even more fucked up story. The actual reason I got into David Bowie, okay, I think I... Heard a few songs and I really did truly love Space Oddity and used to get mad as a kid when people would call it Major Tom. Like I used to get into arguments about it because I was I was apparently a member of Twitter when I was like eight. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were I was like, um, actually. Uh. Well, I mean, I, I got mad about people calling Baba O'Reilly Teenage Wasteland. <laughs> yeah. That's actually why thing. I got into MMA was to <laughs> like, <laughs> assault those then, people. And that's how people would beat you in fights. They'd actually antagonize you. Being, uh, yeah, do you like teenage wasteland? Uh, and you'd be completely just. <laughs> yeah, I would run gone. at them, run at them with my chin up, and they would knock me out. Exactly. But no, I, I actually, because of the movie, and this is so sad, I know. But I was like in college, having a terrible time in Aberus with Wales, and I went and saw the Life Aquatic, which was it had a actually great Portuguese singer doing David Bowie songs, and Changes was at the end. I was like, oh no, it's Queen Bitch was at the end. I was like. Huh. I actually like the sound of this Portuguese acoustic version of this, of the David Bowie. And I sat there and I just gunned through as much of his catalogue as I could illegally download at the time. And that was truly, and there was a degree of, when I was in quite a low point, I actually did listen to a shit ton of David Bowie to cheer me up. When he died, I did. I think I did maybe one tweet to the effect of, yeah, I didn't really listen to much David Bowie until this age. And then it really brought me up. He's a real loss. People seem to like him. Done. But my fucking God, did I see some people who I know did not. They did not get, they did not think of David Bowie. They did not listen to David Bowie. They did not care who like a cultural icon loss or here's a picture of him and his wife. And I wish I could love anyone as much as David Bowie loved her in this picture. And it was, and it was just, oh my God, I don't care. Well, I mean, I, I was, I really fucking love David Bowie. Like, I heard Space Oddity for the first time when I, yeah, I was 10. Uh, I really loved his music at the same time. Like, I think, yeah, it's the same thing of mm, people making it about them in a way where it, you get, again, these gro- grossly mediocre people or, or go, David Bowie taught me it was okay to be different. And then it's like, what the fuck is different about you? First of all, you're doing what everyone else is doing right now where you are artificially trying to become a human being by by real by actualizing yourself through the pity of others by 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 grieving and you can't i'm sorry you can't grieve somebody you never fucking knew you can't i'm sorry you, you can't you fucking can't it's impossible
Yeah, and I the only there are very few cases where I disagree with that. Maybe I will cry like a bitch when Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age dies. I will probably not mourn because the music's still there. And there's actually some commonality between all of the people we're talking about. Muhammad Ali, David Bowie, Robin Williams. None of them were active on Twitter. Did you notice that? Did you notice that thing that they weren't active on that you're all, like, like, talking about? They probably... I bet Prince, for example, who was... He did some tweets. I bet he probably sat there and went, this is kind of fucking stupid. He might have. Uh, he also, he had a big circle around him. Like, if you went to his mansion at his mansion recording studio and sometimes concert venue at Paisley Park in Shanhassett, Minnesota, there was a, uh, an intersectum of Jehovah's Witnesses that did his bidding. So maybe they did the tweets. But um, no, I cannot imagine they were active tweeters. Though Robin Williams on my old account did DM me. I don't have it anymore because I got suspended, but... Yeah. Did he DM you to invite you to a private concert? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, that's lovely. He said, I really like your tweets. <laughs> if I die... Zoe Deschanel <laughs> should marry you. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. If I die, please tell people about this. <laughs> Take a screenshot. But then, all of these things naturally lead into one thing. They All of them did. Without fail, there is some sort of horrible debate that happens. And I was thinking... Maybe not Prince, but then Prince kind of started, then a horrible mass shooting happened, and everyone kind of went, oh, well, better debate that. But Twitter and Facebook are the worst places to debate anything. So when Robin Williams died, now was that 24 to 48-hour period when people were able to hold one consistent thought to discuss anxiety and depression. We need to, you know, as a society, band together and say, you know what, this is, it's a disease it's a disease, and we need to treat it like that. We don't need to abhor people with depression. We don't need to... We, we shouldn't treat them like... It's like any disease. Except, guess what? Fucking hell. Yes, it should be treated better and all that, but also, there are plenty of other diseases that are not mental diseases that people get made fucking fun of and hated for. A shitload. It's And it's, you know, almost like we should have a policy that it would be markedly easier for people that have trouble uh, to get treatment for their diseases. It's almost like the concept of raising awareness is just a performance piece for people to show how righteous they are without having to take any monetary or time hit. Uh, Whereas there is a legitimate policy that you could make or advocate that you're not doing because you don't want to put that much thought into it. And this this occurred to me a lot as well because obviously the horrible shooting happened in Orlando. And I started, and you've read uh, the this piece, that I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it, about PR and gun rights. And I realized that just there are so many of these issues that are discussed on Twitter. And I don't want to get into a big thing about guns again. But guns especially are an example of a polarized thing where... There's just two sides yelling, and Twitter is the literal worst place for it, and actually can make it worse, because it pushes these two sides apart. So, whether it be Muhammad Ali's death, which was then followed by a discussion of whether he was a bad man for skipping Vietnam, is it that Prince, so Prince was a druggie, so, because he was on opiates, so you've got one side saying, hey, you know what, he was a troubled guy, and people who use drugs, they need help and treatment, and other people who say, no, they're criminals, and in guns cases, it's like, okay, so you like guns, you're now an actual criminal yourself, 
for owning one and guns are the worst. And th there was a horrible tweet from someone I really respect who was like, you should shame any gun owner you know. That's the only way we'll change things. And not only does that prove the impotence of Twitter, but it was like, wow, Jesus, that's how you look at things? Like, like it's just pure polarized crazy. Like, you, you start to see people's real colors after these horrible, anything bad that happens, you see people's real true colors come out, be they up their own asshole, or truly just violently against things, and I mean violently. I think that, you know, shame anyone who owns a gun, that's an interesting thing, because the big reaction I saw out of people uh, after any shooting, after anything like that is just plugging their ears and yelling, plugging their ears and saying, guns are disgusting, I hate them, I'm never going to think about them, I don't know anything about them, I hate to disgusting, if you own a gun, you're disgusting. And in doing that, you are ensuring that there will be no actual policy discussion. You become the liberal character of everything that conservative gun owners fear and don't want to give up any inch in regulation because you are that, you are the out-of-touch coastal dipshit who prides himself on crying without coming up with any policy solution and there is a world of policy discussion to be have here to be had here a bunch of things that we could figure out but when you just plug your ear and show off your twitter audience and like do the dot at reply to everyone you're arguing with it's like no you're not gonna you don't want anything to happen you want to keep doing this you want this to happen again, so you, so you can show everybody how fucking principled you are. So you can have a big, you can have a big tweet where you're like, "If you own a gun, you're a piece of shit," and then screen cap everyone who yelled at you and go, oh, "The real massacre is my mentions," because you're a fucking piece of shit who like sees every time that people die, you see it as an opportunity to show off your moral character. And simultaneously, simultaneous lack of command of any policy. And this time when this, and it makes me physically sick to say it, this mass shooting, I actually tried to see how people would react to something. Not as a troll, but as a actual attempt at discussion. And that, that was to say, there is no way that they're just going to ban guns. We need to make very careful steps to move forward with legislation across varying states to do this and this and this. There will still be violence, but it will be less violence. And sadly, both sides saying, well, that's not, well, liberal side saying that's not enough will mean nothing changes because the Republican or whatever, whoever it is, the, the, the reddest of the red state people will yell, well, now they're taking our guns. Obama is going to smash through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and steal my gun safe. like that. And it's just pushing people apart. And I got people saying stuff like, well, you know, that doesn't fix a problem. I'm like, yeah, you realize that this is like, this is like multiple two-term presidents to get anywhere near fixing. And that's assuming that every single president is like, yeah, we need to fix this. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting, too, because you see a raft of people that say universal health care is impossible, despite every other industrialized nation seeming to have it almost. Whereas yeah. confiscating every fucking firearm in America, eminently possible, 
eminently possible. So, you know, you, 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 you see where people's realms of possibility begin and end. You see what they like to morally posture about because, well, they believe that universal healthcare is impossible for whatever goddamn reason, for whatever Wikipedia they have skimmed, for whatever their complete lack of knowledge of any go- you know, government policy or uh, uh, econometrics and how that would work out money-wise is. And you know what? They also know that they can't, <laughs> government can't take every fucking firearm. That's impossible. That's fucking impossible. Hundreds of millions of guns uh, owned by hundreds of millions of people. That is fucking impossible. But they know this. And they know how they sound, too, to their friends when they advocate this. And that's really all that counts, is how they sound to their friends and how they get to posture about the big shooting. And actually, you know, let's let's get less serious now. Because I actually want to do two shits of the week this week for myself. And one of them... I want you to talk about because okay. it was a shit of the week that was also the best thing I've read in a long time. And that was you and Virgil. I can't remember who it was, but you annotated someone being mad about Twitter. Like oh, they were mad about Twitter God. attacks. It was like a Washpo article. It wasn't Callum Borchers, who's my favorite. Great name. Great reporter. Scorcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but but please, tell tell everyone about the beautiful annotation and this shitty, shitty post, because it was amazing. All right, so uh, what happened was a New York Times reporter experienced a raft of anti-Semitic attacks when a uh, sort of small group of a few thousand 15-year-olds who, you know, uh, affiliate themselves with Donald Trump uh, found out he was Jewish and decided to, like, post... You know, it's fucking pictures of ovens and shit at him. Uh, he, this was in the Washington Post for some reason. I do not know why. I mean, do, do look, you know I'm, what writer it was? I have already wiped it from my memory because it made me mad that it was in a paper. I, look, I'm going to pull back the curtain. I fucking, I played Counter-Strike and shit when I was 15. You know what you are when you're 15? You're like a little fucking monster. The only way you know how to dis, to to be seen as a person is to sort of act disgusting because you're not a fully formed person. No one is crueler than fucking younger teens. They're absolute monsters, and I defy anyone to tell me differently. Just think about everyone should think about the shit they did when they were that age. You're gonna do really fucked up shit when you're online, and you can be quasi anonymous and say whatever to whoever it's just it's the reality of it it's not the worst thing in the world to get a bunch of shitty deluge of people sending you fucked up memes like i i'm i'm jewish i don't see the fucking moral panic about it people die every fucking day in the world and there have been dozens if not hundreds of articles now about reporters experiencing trolling for the first time why why is this a story this isn't a story except for the fact that this these people are discovering what happened what has happened to people for years and years and years it's not a fucking story jesus fucking christ just walk away from the goddamn fucking computer none of these people are gonna go out and kill you 
You know where journalists get killed? They get killed in Turkey. <laughs> they get killed for reporting on the regime. They get executed in Saudi Arabia. They get blown up with suitcase bombs in Russia. In America, they get rude memes tweeted at them and they fucking act like it's the like they are at crystal knocked right now. It's fucking incredible. It's absolutely fucking incredible. And I think that what something you did well as well was like you understand the ramifications of how horrible something like this feels and how horrible like you said, like how horrible teenagers can be. And it is taking the piece away horrifying that someone would be attacked and have anti-Semitic shit thrown at them by these horrible people. I think it was the fact that it was written with the same hand-wringing that someone describing the decimation of an entire city, like someone was discussing the carpet bombing of Dresden in the same terms, sorry, discussing Twitter like that. It's like, I, I can't even think for a second, like why someone needs to give that much drama. Perhaps if they were actually intelligent, they should have stepped up and said, this happened to me, and this is happening to a lot of people, and Twitter isn't doing enough, and use that platform to actually, you know, enact real change. But no, that wouldn't be about them, would it? It would only be about, it would be about multiple people, and then no one would give them e-jerk-offs. Me, 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 my feelings, me, 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 me. But you, you said they talked about it with the tone of destroying a city. You know what? Go back. Look at how these people... Do you remember the, the fucking uh, assault on the Médecins Sans Frontières Hospital in Kunduz in Afghanistan? When an AC-130 just leveled a hospital and the doctors and the nurses that were in it that just wanted to treat people in a war zone because they suspected Taliban were in there? Just fucking... Not just civilians, but people who selflessly went into one of the most dangerous countries on Earth... To just fucking take yeah, care well, of sick people. Well, let me stop you there, Felix. These, this guy got anti-Semitic tweets. That's I true. Think. That's true. But look at how these people talk about Kunduz. They go, well, you know what? Not great, but, um, you know, things happen in war. Uh, you put a million, few million people on Twitter and someone says some fucked up shit to you. It's a moral panic. These, just look at how many articles... These people wrote after it turned out that after their raft of denials that we didn't know we were attacking a hospital in Kunduz when it turned out we, that NATO consciously attacked a Doctors Without Borders hospital. No tone of conciliation. They didn't even want to talk about it again. But hey, fuck that. That's dead foreigners. That's dead people they don't know. And an authority, a, 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 a group with authority did it. So who are they to question? Uh, counter that to how they respond to this. Counter that to the tone of this fucking article. Yeah, it's fucking I mean, incredible. And and watching watching like upset people be upset and writing in that kind of heartbroken tone, like disgust at the world way. It's just it exhausts me. But I want to hear your shit of the week now because it's it's a doozy. All right, uh, <laughs> and now, so people know this week, um, a uh, a toddler was dragged by an alligator from a uh, from a body of water in Florida. The f there was no warning that there were alligators in this water, and the father tried to uh, he tried to wrestle the alligator, but unfortunately, 
the the child died the very young child two-year-old child died an incredibly fucking grisly horrific death there's no way to save it yeah nothing you could do there was no warning it was just one of the worst goddamn things you can imagine uh a normal person's reaction, I don't know, what would it be? Like, holy shit, that's terrible. They should have put signs up. Holy shit, is the family okay? Is there anything that we could donate to the family? But if you're a snarky lawyer, if you traffic in snark, if you're you're always correcting the white dude bros about their privilege while you yourself are seemingly of 108% Prussian descent, maybe if your name is the now-deleted Brienne of Starth, you will say, I'm so finished with white men's entitlement lately that I'm not really sad about a two-year-old being eaten by a gator because his daddy ignored signs. Just... Oh Holy shit, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck happened to you in your life? I think being eaten by a crocodile is a, like a uh, racially... It, like, it, it doesn't seem to really actually, like... I don't think the crocodile was like, ah, look, a white kid. Yeah, I know. I mean, I literally don't think a lot of animals see color. But holy (laughs) shit. What the fuck happened to you in your life that you're like this? How can you even fucking connect this with white privilege? You just... You are either a fucking sociopath. Like, you are an actual psychopath. You don't care if a fucking two-year-old gets killed. Fine, don't care about it, but why do you... Performing grief is one thing. We've talked about it the entire episode. But this is performing sociopathy. You are telling everybody, no, what a fucking demented piece of shit you are. Holy fucking Christ. I actually have a question. How were the replies? Were there any that were like, yeah? There were, yeah, there were a few that were like, yeah, finally someone said it. Finally, someone stepped up and said that white people should stop complaining about it being eaten by crocodiles. All white people, by the way. Isn't online great just all white people yelling at other white people for being white? <laughs> was as a way to somehow help aggrieved uh, marginalized communities. I don't know how you put those two together, how one accomplishes the other. But hey, you know, I'm not I'm not the snarky lawyer. So what the fuck do I know? I just don't understand what they were going for there. It's like, I'm so tired of hearing about white privilege stories. Okay, part one. So, what's the story? Even if it's a dumbass dad who really did, like, just fucking, like, a football throw their kid into the crocodile (laughs) pit. Like, there would that just be, like, dumb asshole. But this one is, like, it's not like crocodiles are, like, sitting there and they're all with, like, Black Lives Matter on the side of them, and they're like, "We're gonna eat some white people." Like, is that the imagined thing here? Like, like, what, what is like? Did, I, I love thinking of these extra levels that definitely don't exist. Like that, this that the imagine the imagination of this person was that crocodiles are inherently racist against white people. I would love that if that was their belief. That if that was their that would that would no. There's no complexity here. My reading of this, uh, I don't know. She she was mad that the attention wasn't on her for once. It was on a, 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 a toddler. And uh, she thought, how do I get the attention back on me? Well, holy fuck did she get the attention back on hers be- because 
the <laughs> the take was so bad it got picked up by not only Wired but by Infowars. So you know, <laughs> fucking have fun with that. Wow. Because you, I mean, don't don't the fucking right wing people love someone who postures as a leftist like this to just make everyone look crazy? Like the like this person has any political affiliation except for the fact that they're just out of their fucking minds and a hateful, shitty cretin who shouldn't be within 200 yards of a fucking child. Or, or a crocodile. Or a who crocodile. Uh, yet, but, yet more racism, race, like, just accusing crocodiles of innate white racism. White hate from crocodiles is a subject we discuss on this podcast. But I'm, I'm going to move us on to actually what I want to call, I just want to generally just put my second shit of the week as... Twitter in general, but I'm going to start off with the one thing which won't make you the maddest, which is that Twitter has introduced emoji-based targeting for marketers. So basically, really I hate emojis here, but Twitter has caught on to this thing, and this got them attention, which they don't deserve, because apparently July 17th is World Emoji Day, which is a day I think I might actually, like, like just log off permanently from. That'll be my last day on the internet. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, um... So you can target people based on the emojis they use, which fucking just, 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 I hate you if this is something that made you excited and you're listening, I hate you, by fucking default. You, you are a boring, atrocious person with a useless job, and I hate you so much. And this may seem like an extreme reaction, but you just got excited because of fucking emojis. You, you, worthless shit. Anyway, but emojis in general are being used in such a way that they're beginning to offend me because obviously I follow a ton of tech reporters and I don't hate them for it but it, it grinds my gears as they say when I see people talking seriously about emojis and getting excited about a new emoji existing now I can understand if say when they finally release the multiracial ones fine I can get that 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 is that is a thing I can get my head around someone being excited about because they represent it fairly whatever sure but when people are like oh my god a new pig emoji it's like Jesus fuck fucking motherfucker like just, just just no this isn't news it's an emoji it's a fucking emoji i hate your fucking emoji fuck and it's just they get they get horny they post big blogs about fucking emojis and it's just like who cares they're smiley faces i was i remember the days when it was brackets g for a fucking smiley face i prefer that shit because at least back then i didn't have to read insipid pieces about fucking emojis um well, I actually think they have a lot of meaning. I mean, uh, the Egyptians used to write with holographs, uh, <laughs> and uh, we use emojis. We, the modern-day pharaohs, I don't see what you're so mad about. Uh, they're a big part of most people's lives. <laughs> they're very important. Yeah, maybe it's <laughs> the first thing you see when you wake up, and maybe like if you see the eggplant, it sets the tone for your day. You're going to have a horny day. <laughs> Uh, you, 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 you see the, the fucking smiley with the heart over his eyes and you go, uh, I'm in for a good one. Uh, you, you see the gas sign, you go, I'm going to be driving today. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the modern language, but this moves on to just Twitter has been terrible this week. It's just been bad. And I think that the worst was not actually Hillary Clinton's social media person. I mean, Hillary Clinton. De tweeting delete your account because that was just you i can imagine like set the scene here social media team sitting around donald trump says whatever he said i don't even remember and some 22 year old that's paid like 
450 grand because they graduated Harvard and it's related to someone who Hillary Clinton is backed by. And they go, why would I say delete your account? That's what the irony people say or the people on the internet say. They did it and it got a bunch of retweets and they probably hooted and hollered and fucking backslapped each other like a bunch of horny football players. That was probably like, I can't think of a fucking grosser scene to imagine than like the Clinton campaign social media team after that whole thing. Can you think yeah. of a more craven atmosphere? They're like counting the retweets. Yeah, oh god, they pro- they probably <laughs> oh, like Oh no, they probably had like a big board like comparing how many retweets that got compared to like Donald Trump's. They're like we we got to be on a 2 to 1 ratio. We're on a 2 to 1 ratio. We call that the Hardwick ratio. <laughs> and and then they didn't quite make it and someone gets fucking Fired. Yeah, they're like, like, just like we didn't make it to twenty four thousand retweets. I think it's a uh, Tim. You know, you just you you came up with the idea. You're gonna fall on your sword. Tim, get out of here. You are off the Hillary team. Hand in your F thirty five. Yeah, the F thirty five. You give Mercedes everyone on the campaign an F thirty five for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's just like really just whoever like is the financial operator is just completely stupid. It's just like. For F-35. But this was not actually what I hated the most. And I'm full of hate. I'm a unbridled typhoon of shit and hate. And But what got me the most was the discussion of that fucking tweet. I mean, shoot me in the ballsack. It was the most inane conversation I have ever seen. And I can't remember the piece. I can't remember. It, my mind is trying to help me. But I'm going to try and find it. There was the one that discussed what it meant that she Oh, yeah, I'm her retweeting account. her in the Atlantic. It was called I'm retweeting her. Oh, my God, dude. Just fucking defect to the Taliban if you're going to write that. I don't want you in the West. <laughs> this this is like the shit, the shit of the month, the shit of the life. I mean, Ian, Ian Butt Ghost... And he, to my knowledge, this guy is famous for something game-related. Also, he is, he writes for The Atlantic. I don't know how. Yeah, he coded the Half-Life 2 mod Pedant Quest. <laughs> yeah, is that the one where you you go around looking at unremarkable things and writing a great deal? <laughs> yeah, you use the gravity gun to assign meaning to bullshit. But this piece was so, and I remember how I saw it now, it's because you and Virgil annotated it, but this thing was so amazing in its complete, and I think it's such a good way to end this particular one, because it's like, when it comes to celebrity deaths and such, people add this extra meaning to their experience, and this is 100% people adding meaning to something under 140 characters, and people did this all over, there were multiple think pieces, this was just the worst, it was like, and we are like, I'm going through the piece, so you are maybe 250, 300 words in, and it's like, Trump, ever combative, was quick to fire back. How long did it take your staff of 820 people to think that up? It's like, who gives a fucking shit? You, both of you are, both of them should have been made to like, sit in the corner. Yeah, no, it was like, I mean, I saw a lot of people who were like, oh, kids, politics is stooped so low. And it hasn't. Like, politics has always been a fucking disgusting, humiliating enterprise since people could even vote. It has always been a low, <laughs> a low cultural thing. Like, ah, oh God, I mean, people fucking campaigned against and- Andrew, or no, no, they campaigned against Warren G. Harding by claiming he had a black grandparent. Like, it's a fucking disgusting thing. 
there has never been any golden era of honor. Anyone who claims that we have to go back to that is full of shit and weird. But uh, it was just, it was another embarrassing moment in politics. It was one of those perfect, like, Ian, like, it was like, like some, I think the best living satirist is Armando Iannucci and somehow reality has outpaced him. And, like, just becoming more... But that's why he's so good, because he captured, like, this is just as craven and disgusting and petty and fucking, at the end of the day, frivolous and we'll all forget it as anything in in, in the thick of it. Uh, the th- in the thick of it was just... It, this is exactly the kind of... I could imagine... Well, it's, uh, whoever, whoever the particular kitty fiddler was that got kicked off the show in the first season, I always forget. But nevertheless, I could imagine them in the back of a car being like, oh, I'll, uh, the... the uh, deputy chair for the environmental sector tweeted at you and he said um, he said that your plans were actually bad and then Toby says well why don't you just say um, delete your account <laughs> it's a Toby thing it's a Toby and role. exactly that he's like oh that's good and then I, I can't remember the character names apart from Malcolm but the other fellow would be like oh that's that's good and then they do it and With then the other, Malcolm the other Scott. yeah well no Malcolm walks in after the three of them, because it was always one, the, Toby, the two idiots, and then Malcolm, and then Malcolm was going, what the fucking shit is this? Delete your account. Is that a professional thing that we fucking do here? Are you Nancy <laughs> fucking Drew with your investigative effort into that great world of politics, you stupid shitheads? Who even gave you access, Toby, you twat? And like, he would, that, that would have actually been a thing that happened, except this happened in real life, and we got treated to such amazing Gorka political commentary. And I like Gorka. I really fucking do. But they, Gabrielle Bluestone, I'm disappointed. And filed to 69. <laughs> no, I won't even say the word that, the the, the word that I say to that number is taken away. That's how I gram. Hillary Clinton just shut down the haters with this one simple tweet. And capital S, capital L, A, slay. And then the, delete your account. And of course Mike had something to say because fucking Mike. Um, but Dude, this this probably kept Mike alive for another six months. So, sorry, 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 my friends who work there. Yeah, sorry everyone. By the way, yeah, we actually, I actually like some stuff on your site, but this is a fucking appalling hey, situation. Every, every site has to fucking push out really shitty things. Yeah, just between this and the Ryan Gosling stuff, guys. But the, really, it's amazing that somehow Gorka's totally awful lame post, which they they would probably argue was sarcastic, but definitely wasn't, was somehow beaten by this obstinately shit. I mean, like, this was like, it, it feels like it was dedicated to being shit. It felt like he, he like, cranks knuckles, I'm gonna sit down and write something completely fucking bereft of any actual intelligence or commentary beyond just my jacking off on the keyboard. With, like, for one thing, it acts as a microcosm for the contemporary media business. No, it fucking doesn't. When news, he then says, with news breaks, journalists must cover it. You know what? They, that... First of all, that's a fundamental misunderstanding for, like, several things. But the battle between attention and policy finds a parallel in the battle between clicks and journalism. No, it does not. Literally, it does not. That is not... No. Yeah, no, I mean, like... I mean, I, I'm going to defend Gawker here. Uh, I, I think they were being sarcastic, but I... Uh, I'm even going to defend Mike. Like, sometimes you have to... God, you, you got to pay the bills. You got to fucking do the shitty thing that people will click on, the, the advertisers. Uh, I'm not going to defend people ascribing any fucking meaning to this at all. 
that this represents a cultural touchstone that Hillary I saw one that it said that Hillary it means that Hillary is in touch <laughs> with the millennial vote god she lost like fucking 70% of the millennial vote you're out of your fucking mind in touch with Benghazi yeah in touch with the deleted emails how funny would that be by the way if she like did go to prison for the confusing email crime I don't even know if it's crime. It's I, I don't either. But it would be. I would love it though if Trump started responding with even more immature things. Though, yeah, if, like if things she'd he saw like, on Twitter. <laughs> no, but it's like delete your account. And he responds with delete your Benghazi. Yeah. Like if that would have actually been a better response because that would have just been immature hilarity. I would have been like, I would have clapped for the dude. I'd have been like, you know what? I can't vote, but for. You're making a strong case. I'm not going to care about your policies now. I'm going to care that you are effectively just the same level of half... Because I don't care how many people are working for you. That tweet... Well, actually, you know what? I can't hate them for making the tweet, even. It was just... And to quote Vox, it was a pretty standard joke tweet, which is why I'm so glad they did a giant explainer on it. The world needed to know. Fucking hell. Hey, shit, man. You got to spend those uh, General Electric sponsorship dollars I'm, and that that's what really depresses me on some level as well to close off the show with a really sad story well just sad feeling is just these people get paid probably like let's just let's pull back a little bit i don't know how much they're paid but i'm guessing if you're working on her social media team you're getting 60 grand at least right a year i gotta figure i mean yeah i knowing people i who do social media for shit and knowing how much the sort of Democratic Party money machine works as a patronage system. Oh, my God. You know what? Patronage used to be, we're going to send your fucking dumb cousin to go fill a pothole. At least yeah. it used to be a tangible thing that you would do. Now it's uh, social media jobs for fucking Mackenzie Kissinger. <laughs> fucking awful <laughs> world we've created for ourselves. But Wait, uh, is Mackenzie Kissinger a real person? No, no. Well, law, law of averages, they, there was got to be a Mackenzie Kissinger. I love the idea that... Henry Kissinger's child, like or like cousin, like 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 niece, is is Mackenzie Kissinger, and she's like writing these tweets, like that Henry Kissinger's kid is because it's like the equivalent of like Ernest Hemingway's great granddaughter, I I think something like that, or great niece was one of I think she was the first centerfold in the new nudeless Playboy. Hey, uh, he Ernest Hemingway was a horny guy himself. But yeah, you have to like that that is the actual world we live in. That is the world we live in where like the like Henry Kissinger doesn't sound like he's a good person. I've not really looked into it and I probably never will. But <laughs> Ernest Hemingway, one of the greatest writers of our time, sure might have drank a bit was definitely horny, and we can all respect that here, except we don't have sex on this podcast. I've never had sex. Never. Volsell all the way. But I love that, like, this is the future where, like, the, the great descendants of the most brilliant people in our world are looking in, in the middle of the Playboy. And I can't really talk. I, mean, I don't I don't think that, that it's that it's, bad. It's not, like, it's not, you, it's not bad at you... all. And she actually did tasteful, intelligent photography. It was great. It's just that that's that's where she was able to get famous, and that's that's yeah, what she'll yeah, like be known the, the for. Outlet, the outlets are demeaning. But at least you know what? Maybe it's not that depressing because nah, not really. It took some great photos. I mean, it's not. It's not like. Uh, oh God, I don't know. What do you think, fucking Francisco Franco? There's there's some a chinsiness 
the chinziness of the descendants of evil. Like, uh, you know, I actually don't know if there is a Mackenzie Kissinger, but like, you know, you see these a lot where you see like these, uh, you know, like, what, what do you think? Like Francisco Franco's great granddaughter or grandson is doing right now, probably like on Twitch stream. And there's some sort of, there's like sort of like a, a, a chintziness to that. You, you get depressed by sort of the chintziness of the, of the evil. It's different from the banality of evil. You want at least a greater level of dignity ascribed to pure evil. But hey, there never is. We live in a silly world. I actually do take it back. I take it back. Ernest Hemingway, from what I have read of him, would have actually been totally fine with that. Yeah. He'd be he'd be like, you know what? My my descendant is famous and is at least creating some form of art. Maybe. Or maybe he'd have been a gigantic asshole. I'm not neither related to nor smart enough to read his work, and I actually can't read. But I think the greatest insult would be if Ernest Hemingway's descendant was a social media manager, or like, or like an engagement editor. It would be, de- it would be depressing. Yeah, I mean, because it's like a depressing type of job. But yeah, I can't really talk shit. Look at what I do for a living. At least you're right, though. I ju- just the idea of an engagement editor, or like, and like someone <laughs> whose job it is to do Snapchat professionally. Like what? Like if like my name's um. My, uh, oh, fuck it, I'll think of a name. Desport Hem- Hemingway, that's my name. And I I am here for Nonce Magazine's new Snapchat podcast, whatever, and that's what I do. Like, think about it, you're related to Ernest Hemingway, and that's where you've ended up. Like, the, the, that is, the, there is something, there is something upsetting about people who use all, they exploit all, all, all their nepotistic connections to end up, like, recapping real time with Bill Maher. <laughs> That that is actually that is actually the saddest thing and a great place to end this. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening, by the way. We we rocketed up the charts of our first episode. And if you would subscribe on iTunes and download and get other people to download it as well, even if they don't listen. We just want to get to number one so I can finally insult Malcolm Gladwell. Finally. Fuck that guy. Fuck Malcolm Gladwell. But thank you. You've been listening to The Scumbag, Episode 3. I'm Ed Zitron. I'm Felix Speedham. Thank you so much, and you'll hear us again next week. Bye, everybody.